This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We are your hosts. We're the Wrong Boys. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I'm joined by Aaron Taub. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. I'm just um, hanging out. I've been. I got one of those um, emulators where oh, yeah. you can play N64 on your computer. Uh, I'm just really into Mario Golf right now. <laughs> All right, so that has replaced uh, socialism. Yeah, right. I was like pretty like fired up about you know how bad everything is and we need socialism and justice and all this, but now I'm just like just very concerned uh, with just getting on the greens, you know, <laughs> making sure you get on the fairway and then you hit it again and you're on the green and then just sinking those putts. Um, Where, how's playing- your short game? Yeah, it's getting better. I would say when I first downloaded the game, you know, I was just missing putts left and right, you know. But, I mean, I would say that improving my putting has really just improved my whole golf game. Uh, I play with Peach, and uh, it's like once you can just sort of sink putts from anywhere on the green, you know, you're you're a dangerous golfer. That's true. Um, Yeah. And I I think it's interesting because I think watching golf is – probably one of them just like the most boring things you can do um you know if you have the attention span to watch golf on television you're a superhuman you know (laughs) congratulations uh but but this mario golf it's just uh it's very engrossing have you ever played golf in real life like once with like my uncle (laughs) um but like and i've been to a driving range once but I've never played like an actual like nine holes of golf or anything like that. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I've played some golf. Um, not in a long time. It's it's like it's fun. There's things that are fun about it, but it's so hard that like I just get really angry playing it. Yeah, I could see how it would just be infuriating if you were bad at it. And I as like a weak and uncoordinated person. I'd be really bad at golf well, in real life. Yeah, the coordination would really hurt. But like the biggest thing is you just, it's so hard that you have to do it a lot. Like you got to play regularly to make any progress at that game. Yeah. And I just, um, yeah, I, I, I think it it'd be really, fr- yeah, I think it'd be really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It does. See, so, yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. What about you? Uh, I spent most of the day today in prison for a deposition for a, uh, one of my cases. So that was exhausting. Uh, but it went well. So I was excited about that. I don't know. I've just been, I've been working a lot, but I've had to be out of the office a lot for work. And so that makes me feel like I'm not working, but 
I've been trying to talk to myself all day to remind me that these are actually things that mean I'm making progress in cases and that they're actually good to be doing. I'm not just like wasting time. Yeah. What's this case? So this case involves uh, some women who were sexually assaulted by a deputy jailer in the jail. And uh, I represent several of them. And today, one of the women who was actually assaulted was giving her deposition. So, yeah, that's it's a really big part of the case. It's very important. I like I try to impress upon my clients how important the deposition is. Like it's the biggest day of your case, but without shoulder making them shoulder like all the burdens in the world about this part of their case. So it's uh, it's a delicate balance, really. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it's what, what's really tough about these cases is you find out in uh, preparing for these depositions when you're like getting all your client's story, you know, to make sure you know everything uh, that they've in all the cases I've had where women have been sexually assaulted in uh, correctional facilities, they've all been sexually assaulted in their childhoods. And uh, so it's like really heartbreaking to just kind of see like the awful things that happen in people's lives and how it just starts this cycle and just repeats like forever and ever. Yeah. That's, that's devastating. Um, yeah, I'm glad I could bring it up on this podcast. No, no. I, yeah, I hope, um, I hope you're able to, uh, get these women paid at the very least. Right. That's know, the and, crappy thing about it. Right. Is I have to tell all my clients at some point, like all I can do for you is get you money. There's literally nothing else I can do. I know that really doesn't change much, but it does at least. But what I really, I tried to pump up this client with, and uh, I've done it with other other clients. It works somewhat. Is that like in your life when things like this happen to you, uh, it makes you feel powerless, right? It's like this person has used their authority over me to to take away all my power. And so I tell them like, look, all these lawyers who are getting paid quite a bit of money have to come to you and they have to spend hours asking you questions and they can't do anything except wait to hear what you have to say. And so you are taking the power back in this context, right? Like you are making this litigation happen. There's a federal courthouse where one day there's going to be a trial. They're going to have to devote time and uh, resources just to your story. And so sometimes I try to use that to pump up my clients. And, uh, I think it's true. So I think it works a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there, there, there a criminal case against this guy? Uh, yeah, there was a criminal case against this guy and he actually, uh, pled guilty recently to some criminal, um, allegations, but, uh, it was like a freaking misdemeanor and, you know, he got, a short amount of time and it's all probated. So he's not going to do any time. Yeah. So he just does community service or whatever. And he's like free to continue. Does he still, is he still, do you keep his job? No, no, no. He so actually, that's he, good. yeah, he left. Um, he, I don't know that he has to do community service. Basically it's just, it's like a condition, conditional discharge. Mm -hmm. So it's like if he commits any sort of crime over the next, however long, then he would have to serve the time that he's been sentenced in this case. Gotcha. Yeah. So basically nothing's going to happen to him. So uh, that's frustrating. But, 
in this context, it's like about as much as you usually get. <laughs> you know, it's like a good sign in this particular case, contextually. Right. And does the money come out of his pocket or out of the state's pocket or both? If you win, if you were to win this case. Yeah, if we get money in this case, uh, it's a county jail and it'll actually come from the company that insures the county. Gotcha. So it's all insurance money. That's like I got in this argument with someone, not really an argument, but a discussion with someone on Twitter a while back because they were retweeting this link about how some state, I want to say it was Maryland, was changing the law so that the state no longer indemnified police officers who were sued, meaning indemnification means the state pays when the police officer or the correctional officer, like in my case, gets sued. So they ended that so that the police officer him or herself would actually be financially responsible. And this guy's like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, no, this is terrible because these people don't have a lot of money and they can just bankrupt the judgment anyway. If you get a judgment against them, we need this money to come from uh, the counties and the states. Uh, like, yes, I understand that it's taxpayer money, whatever that means. Uh, but it's actually, you're just going to have way fewer lawsuits if you have to get the money directly from the uh, bad actor. Sure. Yeah. Exciting stuff on the Evolve pod. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we're all kind of like facing our own injustices. Like sometimes it says, you know, boo, the ghost that they use to just to show you how much wind there is. Sometimes it says it's like 20 miles an hour and then you just hit it and the ball goes where it would have without the wind. It was like you were counting on the wind being there and then it just goes where it was going to go. So, um, you know, and injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, basically. (laughs) And I I guess my real thing is like uh, the moral arc of the green bends toward the hole Mm. and uh, over time. All putts go in. Mm. So true. <laughs> All right. So if you tuned in to hear us talk about Evolve Wrestling, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, but I'm glad that you're here. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter at EvolvePod. Uh, you can also follow Aaron and me. I'm at Aaron like the car. Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. Uh, if you are subscribing on Apple, Uh, or iTunes or whatever the hell. Just uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. I think if you do that, other people might find out about our podcast other than like just people on Twitter. So that would be cool. Yeah, I don't think anyone has ever written us a review. Is that still the case? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true, Aaron. I'm going to look it up now just in case. (laughs) So I really appreciate that uh, from everyone. We allegedly have friends, and yet none of them Mm. has uh, left us a review. So that's it stings a little. That's okay, I guess. Oh, we do have some. Some of our friends have written some really nice reviews. Oh, wow. And I'm here like dragging them. Oh, no. Yeah, we got them April, May, June. We have we have five ratings, all five out of five. Wow. And we have three really sweet reviews. I'm going to gonna read them, uh, you know, when, when, you know, when we're off the air so I can kind of savor them. Sure. But um, to the folks who've written us reviews... Um, Thank you so much. That's really sweet of you. Yeah, thanks, uh, everyone. I appreciate that. So more people should do that, A, because Aaron and I will read it three to four months later. and <laughs> <laughs> we But we will appreciate it when we do yeah. read it. Yeah. 
And uh, I just like kind of assumed no one had ever done it. So I like didn't even really look for it. But yeah, we got some reviews. Well, the last time I checked, no one had, had done one. So that was kind of dispiriting to me. But it looks like people are reviewing. So do that. Uh, and make sure you know you can subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling, the entire uh, podcast network. But you can also just subscribe to Everything Evolves and get our episodes as soon as we publish them. So do all that. All right. What we're going to talk about this week uh, is the Evolve 110 and Evolve 111 shows that happened this past weekend. I was in the building for Evolve 110, so I'll talk a little bit about what it was like live. And Evolve 111, I caught after a lot of driving to and from Chicago and was kind of uh, out of my mind for. So that should be fun. Uh, but I guess we'll start with like overall on the weekend, AT. We came into the weekend kind of down mm-hmm. on the product and worried about the direction. How do you come out of the weekend? I feel a little bit better. I thought the Michigan show was great and was strong. And I thought the Chicago show, like the first half of the Chicago show, I was like, man, this promotion's in a tough place right now. And if I were not doing this podcast, I would not be watching this show. Um, but I thought the tail end, I guess the second half of the Chicago show was very good. And I thought the Michigan show was great. And it just goes to show you, I mean, we talk about this all this time, but like aesthetics matter. Like the, the live energy translates on video and it makes the show so much more fun to watch when it's in a build, like, like in Michigan in, and even that building, like that building in Michigan is not like some luxurious, you know, awesome venue. It's just like they don't have windows, so you don't have light streaming in to like wash out all your wrestlers. And they pack the place every time. And it seems like they've gotten a real fan base of people who come back, you know, time after time. And everyone gets pretty drunk. So they're hot. Or at least that's that's what I've heard and what it seems like. So they're just hot from from the opening bell. And it's just like, it's like, oh, this is a fun, cool show. And I would imagine that the wrestlers feed off that. I imagine if you're a performer and you're looking out at like a half empty, weird roller derby stadium, it's like you're less hype than just like a bunch of hammered people losing their shit. And yeah, I I thought that uh, the Michigan show was, was really strong from top to bottom. I thought... We, you know, I thought uh, this, the uh, the main event uh, with Stokely Hathaway and, and Chris Dickinson against Tracy Williams, I thought that was really good. And I thought that it was like nice to see some closure. And it feels like finally, you know, the catch point story has come to an end. And so it feels like we're moving on from that. It feels like they finally started kind of moving somewhere with the AR Fox Austin Theory uh feud so i'm like happy with what they're doing there it just feels like you're kind of moving in the right direction coming out of out of that saturday out of that sunday show rather whereas um you know the weekend before you're like oh this promotion is a total mess and i think i mean it's still like you know stokely hathaway was one of my favorite performers in the company and Matt Riddle was not always a personal favorite, but you can't deny his like talent and his ability and like the quality of his in-ring wrestling and his, and certainly like his popularity with the fans. And so like losing those two guys, 
on top of Zach Saber Jr. and Keith Lee is like, you know, they have a lot of holes to fill. Um, so, yeah, what did you think? I think I'm higher on it than you are. Yes, I think that's true. Now, I will say all the wrestling this weekend was – I thought the matches themselves were way better than last month. Like almost everything was good to very good. So I was worried last month, like, wait, this is the wrestling promotion and the wrestling wasn't as hot uh, last – or not last month. It was two weeks ago or whenever it was. Uh, so you know what I mean. But I am worried – I mean, you were just talking about the people who are leaving the promotion. Stokely uh, is gone. Matt Riddle appears to be gone. And I'm really worried about who's going to fill those top spots. Like, it's tough to sell a promotion with, I don't know, our AR Fox and Joey Janela, um, the main guys, and Shane Strickland, obviously. Like, I'm not sure that that's enough to get by. You know, like you said, we weren't always Matt Riddle's biggest fans, but. He regularly delivered at a high level in the ring. Pretty much always when he had a match, it felt like something that mattered. And he brought a star quality that made you feel like, okay, this is a hot promotion. And even after uh, Keith Lee and Zack Sabre were gone, it's like, okay, still got a star in Matt Riddle. And I'm not sure who the stars are in this promotion. It's Darby. Yes, I think you're right. Darby, well, Darby's the most compelling character in the promotion, without a doubt. But Shane Strickland is not over as champion. You don't think so? No, I, I won't hear an argument to the contrary. It's It was dead quiet when he came out in Chicago. Co- uh, considering how hot that Livonia crowd is, it was not hot for his entrance for that show. I just don't think the crowd is that into him. And his matches aren't – his matches are more cerebral in a way. Like, there's a lot of subtle stuff going on in his matches. It's – well, I guess I really can't say that because Zach wrestled a fairly similar style and got over big with the fans. So I'm not sure what it is about Shane Strickland, but he doesn't seem to connect with the evolved crowd in the same way. you disagree with that? I don't know. I think we have to give him time. I think that – you know, when we think about this Livonia crowd, I mean, that was only his second time there, you know, in Evolve, right? True. So it's like, I think a lot of these places are places he, I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see like what happens when they go, if, if and when they go back to Philly after that big angle or, I don't know, because it's like Chicago had the big, you know, had his first match against Riddle and. Yeah, so they have seen him in this role, but I don't know. I think if they really want to get him over as a super-duper heel, they need to have him beat up on a really compelling baby face. And I guess it's like, I don't know, they did it with Riddle, and he's the top, he was the top, you know, good guy. I I don't know. Um, I I think it's a real struggle because you go from the champions being – Matt Riddle and Zack Sabre Jr., who are worldwide stars, to Shane Strickland, who is a fantastic wrestler and is doing a lot of stuff. I mean, working MLW and other stuff around the country. 
but I, he's not a star at the same level as those guys. And I think Evolve fans have come to expect that level of star at the top of the promotion. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm saying I'm not sure he has credibility yet with the fans. Right. And well, that was the other thing too. It's like, you know, it's like it was a hot shot. Right. Thing. Like, I guess he, he, re, he joined, he rejoined the promotion in May. Right. Cause he wasn't on those mania weekend shows. Right. He wasn't. Yeah. So he, he rejoined the promotion in May and won the title in, you know, August. Was it that long? That feels longer than it was. I mean, he came in and had the match against Riddle where he, uh, you know, had the disqualification. Right. Then they did that the match. That was May. And then in June, they did the match where they... They didn't have a show in June. It was oh. July. Okay, then July I'll they double did... double check. The... I'm going to check cage match, but I'm okay. pretty sure... Well, that I that know happened. that the next match they did was the one where they... Where it ended in a... Uh, no contest or whatever. And then the next match was the one where he won the title. So it happened over three months. I guess you're right. Uh, it just... I feel like if you're going to... Yeah. Bring- he came back in May, had the DQ match, beat Darby Allen by ref stoppage on the next May show. Then the next match was the no contest dumb match. <laughs> then he won the title. So he won the title in his fourth match back in the company. Right. And I, I thought they did a great job redebuting him. That first match I thought was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good match. And I thought, like, they've done, they've made him feel like a star. I think his wrestling could be, like, he's had some very good matches, but he needs to have, like, a great match. I don't know. It's like that the title win, like, didn't totally do it for me. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. No, because it feels like he's not super over, and I'm trying to figure out why it's not working, because it feels like it should be working, because... The character work is good. Has been good. He's been put over strong. He's like a real shithead. He's a real mean guy. Um, yeah, he should. You would think he would be over as a heel. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that he did enough to make people like like that second match. I think really screwed things up. Yes, that hurt them. I think. I think that's where they went wrong because it was easy to hate him after the first match. He was a huge dick in the in the third match when he won the title, but I think that second match uh, blew up the momentum that they had. Yeah, because he was like, "This doesn't matter," right? And then the win over Riddle kind of also feels like it feels less like, "Oh, the changing of the guard and a new star takes over," and more like, "Oh uh, shit, we're we're losing that Riddle. Like, who's going to be the champion?" Right, especially you know we hear. Recently, that Strickland is in the WWE pipeline, right? Like, they're interested in him. And it makes it feel like Evolve brought him in because it's a stop on his way to NXT. I don't know if they were like, hey, Gabe, you should bring in uh, Shane Strickland. We want to see him there before we bring him to NXT. But it, it just kind of feels thrown together in a way. Yeah. Anyway, that's my concern with the promotion right now is where are the stars? Um, there are a lot of guys in this promotion that I really like, but a lot of them feel like that they're at the top of the mid card. That that's like their the best spot for them. Yeah, in this promotion. So that's 
That's tough. That's a tough way to make a living uh, as a wrestling promotion in this like crowded, crowded scene. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. It's like, we're in fucking wrestling season right now. It was like two weekends ago, you had the two Evolve shows while the G1 was going on. Last weekend was Evolve and the G1 finals. This coming weekend, we've got Joey, here in New York anyway, Joey Janela's lost in New York and then the NXT show. The weekend after that is all in. And then the weekend after that is Evolve back at Laboom. So I don't know. It's it's the summer wrestling season. So which also means you have to be on another level, right? Yeah. If you want to get any attention in this scene. Yeah. So that's, I guess, more what I'm concerned about as like what draws the eyeballs going forward. So, all right. Well, let's get into the actual shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to start talking about Evolve 110, which is on Saturday from Cicero Stadium in Chicago. Uh, But I want to talk about like what it was like to be there live for the yeah. show. It was, it felt like a light crowd at first that people did filter in a little more as the show went on. It was a decent little crowd. Um, not a bad crowd at all, honestly, but it was outrageously fun. I had so much fun at the show. Like I was going to say, I haven't had this much fun since, uh, the spring break show. Then I thought, have I been to a wrestling show since many a weekend? I don't know. But now part of it was I was uh, there with my, uh, with friend of the show, Epitasis and friend of the show, Blankus Maximus. Uh, my wife was there and, you know, we were cutting up and having fun and, and Nate Epitasis and watches wrestling the same way I do in that we kind of pick someone in the match to root for and then basically treat it like a shoot <laughs> for the match. Like, you know, get mad when things go poorly for your, the wrestler you're rooting for. And so that's a lot of fun to me. Uh, But also when you're that close to the, to the talent, you see how, how talented a lot of them are as like how charismatic they are as performers. And I'm not sure that they always get a chance to show that like the skulk, for example. Yes. We get to see, we can see on TV or on the internet, how charismatic all the skulk are is whatever. But when I was sitting, we were in the second row and we just happened to be on the side where the skulk largely kind of hung out during the match. And they were constantly saying the funniest stuff, like really clever. And it went along with uh, with what was happening in the ring. They were just great. And uh, there were other guys up close. We we had some fun interactions with Matt Riddle that we'll talk about later in the show. And it was like, I don't know. I just had a ton of fun. I. uh was surprised. I saw like a lot of takes on Twitter. People weren't as up on this show as I was, and I know some of that was bumped by being there live. But I just thought it was um, a great time. Yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. Um, I'm fired up for us all to like hang out at AAW and do that. Okay, so I'm not going to be at AAW. <laughs> but are you going to go Friday? Uh, they sold out. I don't. I can't get tickets. We're going to work on that. Yeah. We have, you know, you know, we were talking about the deal we were thinking about, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. We have a, we have a potential deal. Yeah. yeah. I might it's be. Like, I have two tickets for me and Alyssa, but I feel like we're also going all in. And I feel like one wrestling show a weekend is probably 
Alyssa's preference or ideal. So it's like maybe you could go. We were thinking Aaron suggested maybe Aaron would take Alyssa's place and then Alyssa and Sarah could just like hang out and be in Chicago. And we have other friends who are going to be in Chicago who aren't going to be at the show. So I don't I'm know. I'm worried that this was a gendered uh, suggestion on my part. Mm. And I feel bad about that. Well, it was a gendered suggestion on your part, but I was not being gendered because it's like Sarah <laughs> likes wrestling. Whereas like, like Sarah would maybe be like sad that her husband was like, you know, ditching out. I'm going to wrestling. Whereas Alyssa is like, I bought the tickets just in case, but after going to multiple shows in Japan, it's like, okay, we recognize that like, you know, if Alyssa watches what goes to one wrestling show and then goes to another wrestling show the next day, she's going to like, um, hate it. Whereas if she goes to like, I think she has like a certain, there's like a certain amount of wrestling that she's like down to consume and will enjoy. But then like after that, she's like, Oh, there's just more matches. It's another, (laughs) another, it's just like, it's another match that's coming up. You know, that actually happened during all in. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Like, Owen's going to be, like, a spectacle of, like, excess, and it's going to be long as hell, and a lot of it's going to be dumb, and we're going to be in there with, like, the dumbass Ring of Honor fans. The worst... Yeah, the worst fans on the planet, I think. And WWE fans are the worst fans on the planet. Mm, that's... They're both really bad. <laughs> um, and so, like, I feel like you're more likely to hear something offensive at Ring of Honor. But All In is maybe a slightly different crowd than the regular Ring of Honor crowd. I don't know. We'll see. But in any event, you know, I was actually just tailoring my suggestion to um, Alyssa's preferences, not as a woman, but just as a unique person who kind of likes wrestling in doses, but is not really trying to binge on wrestling. Sure. Whereas you were just being a chauvinist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was was mainly being like, how can I get to this show? <laughs> that was my, that was my main there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what sell out to get to it. Yeah. I don't even know what's on the show. I really just want to watch wrestling with my friends. That's yeah, really my same. main. Cause we got I separated mean, when we were trying to get tickets for all in. It was like impossible to get multiple seats together. So, so yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. Evolve 110. <laughs> so right before the show, I'm like, I'm like, Nate, there's a person over there in a zero one t-shirt and I'm thinking of like the Japanese promotion. Sure. And he's like, Oh yeah, I think that's a, a zero one USA. I think that's a, a shitty Midwestern indie. I was like, and I didn't even know that. And then they're like, Oh, this matches for the zero one USA X division championship, <laughs> which I didn't know existed. So, but I did know, uh, I mean, I knew, I know Gary J pretty well, and I'd heard of Jake Parnell. So I was at least vaguely familiar. We had Jake Parnell defeating Gary J by pinfall to retain the 0-1 USA X Division Championship. Uh, did this make you think, I got to catch the next 0-1 USA show? No. Uh, it didn't make me have any. I had no thoughts about this match or the next match. Um I don't know. These like when they have these matches, I always just like sort of check out because they're non-canon, right? They're like happening kind of in a separate universe from Evolve. Yeah. Unless they're really good. Like it just always feels like perfunctory. Yeah. Um it's at least better when they used to do the freelance matches with Evolve. 
talent, like right. a tag match or whatever. I will say though, the crowd loves the freelance. Dude, the crowd people. loves the freelance guys. It's a freelance yeah. like. I just like I feel like it's just like time to give up on Chicago because it's like it always looks super like this show. It's like there was one bleacher that was like got to be half full as people filed in and the other bleacher was like a quarter or a fifth full. It's like put everyone in one bleacher, put a tarp over the other bleacher, put something over the window so you don't have the light streaming in. Make it so the hard cam isn't just like showing us people like walking to get hot dogs. It's just like, ugh. Like, it's just like another shitty building in Chicago where it's like half full. And I guess they needed more space for the progress show, but it's just like, I'm just like over it. It's like, it's the same like crowds of just like freelance fans who like cheer for the freelance guys and maybe like one or two of the top evolved stars. And then it's just like quiet and it looks bad and it feels bad. And it's just like, um, I don't know. Like, how far is Detroit from Cleveland? Could you do a Cleveland double? Could you try Cleveland? Could you try Columbus? Um, I don't know. Maybe my, my like geography is really bad. Like, could you, could you try one in Ann Arbor? I, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just like, um, right. just try somewhere else. Yeah. I just feel like, does it feel like they're drawing a lot there? It's, I, I just, I don't know. It just, it's like, I mean, I guess they're going back to Jaka, Joppa next month. So I can't like, I need right. to save this rant for someone who like deserves it right. even more. Um, but it, it just feels like, I don't know. And seeing like the freelance guys get such a big chant and then like the next hour of the show, not really, get his bigger response is like, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Was, did you feel like it was like a hot crowd? No, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, it was a little, it was bigger than I thought at first. Mm-hmm. Um, or I filled up a little in the bleachers, uh, but there were a ton of empty floor seats. Like behind me, I saw some people with GA tickets who I know sat in the floor seats because yeah, they were. It's like fill in those floor seats. Why are you having, it looks it would look a lot better if just people packed in the floor seats yeah, and like parked off the bleachers or, or even just having the bleachers than just having like 40 people in the bleachers or well, I don't know. Right. It just, or, you know, one side of the bleachers. I know one was more full. It's just, yeah, it's just like, yeah. When you, it made, that's like the biggest thing I thought between these two shows. And I, I, I'm going to stop pounding at home in a second, but like, I, I just felt like night and day, the viewing experiences of like what those atmospheres looked like. That's for sure. Um, my biggest thought about this is I finally made it to a Chicago Evolve match and Stevie Fierce was not in the freelance match. <laughs> I was so bummed. That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he's yeah, moving. And he's yeah. moving to California, so I guess I won't oh, see him. Oh, really? To do what? Anymore. Just to keep training and wrestling? Yeah, I guess so. He's just, like, changing his home base to uh, California. So he's worked uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood gotcha. or whatever for a long time, so I don't know mm-hmm. if he's going to keep doing that. But anyway, Isaiah Velasquez pinned Matt Nix to retain the freelance championship. The next match, Anthony Henry pinned uh, John Davis. Uh, in a three-way that also included Josh Briggs. This was funny in a way because Henry, I guess, is a heel in freelance. And so some of the fans were like on him, even though he's a babyface in this promotion. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. 
I yeah, we've seen that in I guess like the last Chicago Evolve show too. Right. Yeah, I thought this was all right. I I think like Josh Briggs, his gimmick and the whole "I don't like you" is just the corniest thing in the world. It like reminds me of like it's like a gimmick that like I feel like would only appeal to people who like would like go to the mall and buy a shirt that's like it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt <laughs> then it's hilarious <laughs> you know or like someone who would like um like have a shirt that's like the baby from family guy saying something naughty you know sure. and it's just like it's just like I don't know. The I don't like you thing is just like so. I don't know. It, it like it like reeks of this like like very specifically like adolescent worldview that like being antisocial is cool. It's very not. new metal. Yeah. Like I bet. Like I bet Murder Brian loves it. No, no. <laughs> Murder Murder Brian's like Brian's too much of a sweetheart. Like. <laughs> Like Brian likes people, you know, I just, I just, it's just like this like whole, like, I don't like you. You're like, all right, great. I just, I don't know. Cause I feel like he like wrestles pretty well. And like, yeah. it seems like there's a ton of potential there, but this gimmick just feels so like 2002. Yeah. And it makes the worst part to me is that it makes like every wrestler feel like they have to say, I don't like you either. Later in some spot later in the match. Yeah, it's just like oh, no, I don't know. That's even it's worse like Yeah. It's like I don't know, like it's just it's not cool and it feels <laughs> like although one of our one of our followers on Twitter, I forget who it was, was like, "Oh, you can totally I think it was Aaron Quinn. I think it was her. She, she was like, um like you can totally see Michael Cole talking about how like <laughs> yeah. Josh Briggs doesn't like people and he hates <laughs> having fun. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah this is a, you know, it's like, okay, this is a gimmick targeted towards like adults who like watch Monday Night Raw every week. Right. Adults who would wear a Dean Ambrose shirt in public. Yeah. 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 I don't so, want to get, I don't want to get Dean Hive after me. <laughs> you know, I've already. I've already sort of put myself out there, you know, in opposition to the Naito Hive. Oh, yeah. You know, very passionate fans. Oh, yeah. That, uh, Tetsuya Naito has, you know. Yeah, uh, that's true. Really <laughs> mad about him losing. Uh, <laughs> none of them so, listen to the show, so it's okay. None of them listen to the show, it's fine, right? I, wanna, uh, I do want to use this time to just say again how good I think John Davis is. <laughs> back on track he was so good in this match i really wasn't excited about this because i hate three ways but i just thought he was so good here um i mean everybody was good in this match but john davis is being underutilized that's that's really all i have to say i don't like feel strongly about him either way to be really honest that's fair like, i feel like you have i feel like there are people who are like like you who are like, we need more John Davis. And then there are other people who are like, LOL, they're going back to John Davis again. 
And then I would say that I'm in the middle where I'm like, all right, it's always like fine. It's always chill when he's out yeah. there. Yeah, those and people never... are, are very dumb and wrong and perhaps have never uh, watched wrestling in their lives. Wow. That's, all how right. feel, that's how I feel about it. He's so good. Anybody who thinks this guy isn't really good is out of their minds. They're I okay, I know this is trademarked, but they are lost if they don't think John Davis is a very good pro wrestler. I didn't know I was gonna get so fired up about people who don't like John Davis. Are you telling me there are people who really are like John Davis sucks? Is that a thing on Twitter? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh my my own eyes. I, I am so glad my timeline has not been polluted with someone who doesn't think John Davis is good. This guy is so good. I'm not saying that he's Zack Sabre Jr. or even Matt Riddle. He's not. I'm not saying, like, put the belt on John Davis immediately. I'm just saying he is a super competent pro wrestler who has a really good match with anybody, any single person, except Jason Kincaid. That's all. All right, fine. Yeah, but I, I did. I do want to say I did think this was like good. There are some cool and good spots. Like it kind of like devolved into like I hate three ways. Like one thing I don't like is when three ways are like we have our like choreographed like three person yeah, maneuvers. Yeah. You know, yeah, I which I that. thought that like this we seem seemed like we had some of that uh, in this match, but I thought it was like overall pretty fun and good big guys bumping around and yeah. Yeah. I had fun. All right. DJZ defeated AR Fox. Wow. Excuse me. When he rolled him up. Um, This I think was the biggest difference between being there in person and watching on the internet because this was so much fun. Like I didn't think it was, you know, the best worked match of the year or anything like that, but I had it about three and a half. And I had the time of my life watching this match. Yeah, I, I like didn't like it. What? <laughs> um, yeah, I was watching this match and I was like, I usually like both these guys, but I was just like, this is just kind of like, I thought it was sick when Ayla Fox hit the tope. Yeah. But I also felt like, and I thought that the skulk was good. You know, their response to like DJZ's air horn was funny and, but I just thought that the, I felt like they were kind of at a, the wrestlers were kind of out of sync. Like there were a couple spots where it felt like guys were like waiting a little too long for the other guy to do something or um, yeah, it just felt like there were a couple instances where it like didn't quite click. And it also felt like there wasn't like, it just felt like a lot of moves and it didn't really feel like this cohesive match. Um so I like didn't didn't really like it. I thought it was like okay, but I, I yeah, I wasn't super into it. Okay. Well, it was a lot of fun. I guess part of it, you know, when there wasn't much going on, I was watching the skulk, right? Right. So yeah. I was kind of, I could have been distracted from things that weren't that good about it, mm-hmm. but um uh, it was a lot of fun. I know that for sure. Yeah. I hope that uh, Nate and I doing the Skulk dance did not end up on the broadcast. Most of and now time. I want to go back and look for it. <laughs> Actually, I was I'm thinking. Like, I'm so fired up for the September show in, in New York to like, because I feel like, especially like the next night in Michigan, it's like, finally, 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 
the other wrestling fans are getting it, right? You're like, finally, these guys are like over to where they should be with the crowd, right? And you're starting to see people get into the dance. And I'm just ready. I'm ready to be in New York. And fingers crossed, you know, if you're at Laboom, please just do the dance. Make it a party. Make it a thing. Um, because I just think that those guys and Ayla are just so much fun. Um, and I'm, I'm ready to like, you know, have a good time at wrestling I'm bringing, I'm bringing some of my comrades yes, uh, to that, that, that evolve show. So I hope it's good. I'm like nervous about it. I'm like, Oh God. Cause I like talk to all these people. It's like, Oh, there's wrestling in Queens. You know, that's the borough we live in. Like we should all go to wrestling in Woodside. And I'm just like very nervous. Cause I'm like, oh, I hope it's a good show. I hope no one does anything offensive. You know, it's like, it's like the anxiety of like bringing one new person to wrestling, but it's like probably, you know, five or 10, maybe we'll see. We'll see how many people come out. But And then you get like a Sam Adonis moment. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no one say the, you know, no one say any, you know, homophobic slurs, uh, no race, just no slurs. Just kind yeah. of generally, if you're listening and you're going to be on that September 8th show, just uh, no slurs, slur free zone out of all, please. Well, you can probably get some heat if you uh, say bad things about socialists. Right. Yeah. You get some good heat if you're just like, <laughs> just you know, I just want to come out here and thank Gabe Sapolsky, Sal Hamway, and the job creators who allowed <laughs> the show to happen. <laughs> I, I, for, I, for one, am happy to give up my surplus value to Gabe and Sal uh, to entertain this beautiful crowd here at Laboom. Mm. Those are some ideas for promos. Yeah, just put it out there. Um, yeah. yeah. Gabe and Sal, not Stalin and Mao. Not Stalin and Mao. Okay. Uh, Walter submitted J.D. Drake with a rear naked choke. I, I, I'm interested to hear what you thought about uh, about this match. I thought it was good, but it, neither of J.D. Drake's matches this weekend were as good as the match he had with Matt Riddle at Laboom, I thought. I thought that this was good, and they hit each other hard, but it never really got to that like next level where there's like a lot of drama, and it feels like Drake could win. It feels like they just didn't hit that. You know, they certainly slapped the shit out of each other, so you don't want to say that they, they didn't like work hard or anything like that, but it just... It just because they did. It just felt like they didn't quite get to that next level of sort of uh, drama and excitement. Um, there was unfortunate, an unfortunate moment too, where like at one point in this match, the cabber just like zoomed right in on them, like very obviously having a conversation, <laughs> you know, which is no fault of theirs. Like they're just like doing their jobs, but then, like the camera was just like right up in their faces for like several seconds of them just like very clearly just chatting. Um, I haven't watched it back. Yeah. But I thought it was, yeah, it was like, yeah, I don't know. It it didn't, it didn't ever, I'm looking through my notes and I, I feel like there was never a moment where we thought Drake was going to win. Oh no, definitely not. The, the coolest part of the match was Walter saved his chop for late in the match. At one point, Nate said to me, like, oh, Walter hasn't chopped at all. Maybe he, like, thinks he's becoming the chop guy, and so he wants to uh, lay back on that, which I wasn't sure about. 
but he saved it for the perfect moment and he got the perfect sound on it. And, you know, we popped huge for it because it was just that's good pro wrestling, you know, so that ruled. I just and I really thought this the next night too. I feel like we've gotten to a point where every Walter Evolve match is the same. It's like everybody Walter kind of kicks the shit out of for a long time. I mean it's I mean it's a pro wrestling match. And then, you know, the the baby face makes a little bit of a comeback, whatever. But I, I just feel like they're all the same um formula and that I'm not interested in it. Like I love the Darby Allen match and that was in that formula, but it had the compelling character parts to really uh, get through. But other than that, it's like, okay, I've seen Walter have this match. We've got to do something else. Somebody has to, you know, beat him down <laughs> at some point or just tell me a different story. I kind of disagree because I love the Anthony Henry match the next night. Okay. Yeah. I, we'll talk about that, but yeah. But yeah. I hear you, but then it's also like, I don't know. I'm a, I love a big versus little man match. Um, so like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I will talk about it more, I guess when we get to it, but yeah, I, I disagree in the sense that I, I, I like this match. All right. But I love, I really loved the, the Walter Anthony Henry match. I guess it's also just really annoying to me that Walter clearly works like a heel and the crowd does not go for it, right? Like he is over as a baby face on every show. Well, that's going to happen. I don't know. I'm not Let's saying see that's what happens because I think that they're doing some good work with him as a heel. Like I am going to boo him um, at Laboom. Yeah, but you, you know, might like, be alone. I'm telling you, like Nate and I booed him, but we were alone. Like, I mean, you're always going to have that problem on the indies, right? In these work rate promote promotions where people are going to cheer for, you know, anyone who's good at wrestling um and maybe that like now that i think about it maybe shane strickland's more deliberate style that we've seen from him in evolve is intentional to avoid getting those cheers um but you want to get some reaction (laughs) yeah i don't know i just yeah i i thought i think walter is working in evolve and i i'm not saying he's not it just doesn't necessarily appeal to me, personally. That's fair. Uh, after the match, Walter uh, kicked Henry. They got in each other's faces, so they kept building up to their match the next night. Uh, in the next match, Jocka pinned Tracy Williams with the Jocka bomb after raking his eyes to get out of the crossface. So this was kind of continuing to build up to the Dickinson and Stokely versus Tracy match, uh, really playing up the eye issue uh, with Tracy, with Stokely you know, driving the screwdriver into his eye. Uh, the week before. Um, I don't know. There wasn't much to this. It was a lot of like just build up for, you know, the, the eventual blow off match. So it was just kind of fine. Yeah. It did what it needed to do. I thought for sure. It was uh, hilarious because well, after the match, uh, Dickinson and Greeny came out to beat up Tracy Williams, just as we predicted on the, on the uh, pre-show, the preview show, this kind of bled into the next match. Uh, Stokely got on the mic. He was wearing a T-shirt and jeans and sneakers. And he said that tomorrow's the biggest day of his life. Uh, but uh, American Airlines lost his luggage. So <laughs> he was stuck with wearing that. Uh, he said 
it would be the next night before we would see his fly ass gear. Uh, but he wanted to have a little warm-up match with the Skulk. So next, the Skulk, Adrian Alanis, Tommy Maserati, and Leon Ruff defeated Chris Dickinson, Dominic Garini, and Stokely Hathaway when Leon Ruff rolled up Chris Dickinson. Uh, I thought this was just a ton of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. We all were looking forward to it. It was great. Oh, God, Stokely uh, doing the rock. The Sto- people's elbow. Stokely doing the people's elbow was great. And then, like, selling his elbow or whatever. Yes. Uh so I thought that was great. I thought him just, he's like really good at being Stokely Hathaway and in just every situation. And, and it was cool to watch him this weekend, like wrestle as Stokely Hathaway and just yeah. be like, you know, tag in and then throw, you know, one punch and immediately, you know, tag out. And yeah, just, you know, I thought it was great. The Skulk was great. The Skulk's reaction when they won the match was like, it was like they had won the world series. It was awesome. And now it, I think, Right? They pinned one of the tag team champions. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Right? They, they have to... I don't know if push is the right word, but they have to involve these guys more and evolve. They have to get a tight... They have to win the... Look, we love, love Doom Patrol, but they really haven't done anything with them with those titles. I don't know. I could and, and buy... Like they would definitely do something with the Skulk if they won the titles, you know. Them right. not doing anything with the tag team titles is sort of like a long running theme since right. they brought back tag team championships as promotion. So it's like whatever, but I don't know. They could they have something there. They're there. They're those guys are yes. so fun. They're the whole it's just a it's a great act. Yes, they they've got to use it more. They've got yeah. to uh, exploit it more, give it a bigger um, I mean, at least on this show, they basically got two segments because they got the match and the match with the AR Fox DJZ match. And I thought that was good. They should do that more. Yeah. More Skulk. Yeah. And these so guys. Now there's, uh, there's more room on the show moving forward because right. there's not, you know, another stable take. These guys deliver. Time. Yeah. These guys deliver when they wrestle. It's not just that they're entertaining because they're charismatic. Their matches are entertaining. They need, if they're not, you know, going to break them up into a tag team and do a, a title challenge, they should have a three-way on, you know, a six-man match on every show. I don't care who the other team is, really, but these guys have to be wrestling on these shows and uh, performing in some way. They're just too good. I bought a Skulk t-shirt. At Dude, I want one so bad. I'm buying one. I'm buying one next month. So when I... Uh, who did you get? Which one did you get? No, they just had the skulk. That's all. Oh, you can't get it personalized. No. Uh, when I handed them the money, they did, yeah. hey, and did the skulk dance. Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> lovely. Yeah. And it, everybody, I mean, it wasn't just me, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, everybody who bought the shirt got the, hey. So that was good. All right. Shane Strickland and Austin. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've uh, stated this incorrectly. In the dream partner tag match. Shane Strickland and his dream partner, Austin Theory, defeated Joey Janela and Janela's dream partner, Saeed Al-Sabah, when Austin Theory pinned Janela with a taxia after a swerve stomp. Did this meet the expectations of your dreams? Look, this wasn't like the dream match they were promoting, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good pace. They mixed up, you know a bunch of guys who were kind of feuding 
you know, they pushed forward, you know, the Penelope versus uh, Priscilla Kelly beef. Um, you had some fun spots. Um, yeah, it was good. And, and I want them to do more of this stuff. I want them to extend feuds. I want there to be more matches on these shows where there's like backstory and context. And I think a lot of times, most of the time in Evolve, it's just like, it's a special challenge match. These two guys are wrestling. And so I think that like having them in these matches together and like building up the disdain they have for each other and allowing them, you know, Priscilla Kelly and Penelope to get into it in a way that feels natural or, you know, having those repeat interactions so that it kind of like, you know, it continues the feud. It doesn't burn a singles match. So things can feel fresh. Um, Yeah. I'm for these kinds of tag team matches. Um, and so I enjoyed this match and I'm glad they did it. Yeah. I thought it was good. Also, uh, what did you think about also Bob being in a semi-main at this point? He was fine in this match. I thought the next night in the opener, he looked, he looked worse. And I was like, actually what I came away with, I was like, Saeed Al-Sabah has a cool look. He has some cool moves. And if he's in a tag team match with like three other good guys, it's good. You know, I think that in the multi-mans, he looks cool and like a star. It's only when he sort of has to like be exposed in these long singles matches where I think it becomes clear that that's like not where he's at right now in terms of his technical ability. Um, But... I don't know. It seemed like I didn't have any like negative feelings about him in this match. Did you? No, I thought he was I mean, fine. It, I mean, it's clear that they're, they're pushing him really hard. And I'm like, it's and I'm weird. like, I'm not really sure that I would push him this hard. Like I like, and I like, like him. Me too. And I'm like into his deal, but I'm also like. Pump the bricks. You know, we watched that Jocka match the next night and you're like, this guy should not be. Like, you couldn't put this guy in a singles main event right now. Oh, God, no. For a company like this. Um, He's got to stick in uh, tags and multi-mans for a little while. And I I don't know how. You know, and give him time. I mean, when you look at a guy like Darby Allen, you know, you had told me, you know, 18 months ago, this is going to be a guy who's like main event, you know, who's going to have the match. If you told me that Darby was going to have a match like he did against Matt Riddle, or, I mean, just the matches that he has always, right? Like, guys can improve. Um, and sure. I think that you should uh, allow them to, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, it's like they're pushing Saeed Al-Sabah really hard. Maybe they have some kind of big storyline planned for him. I don't know. But you're also just kind of like, this isn't, he's not there yet, I don't think. But he was fine, and he's fine in this tag. Yeah, and I just want to say that uh, Austin Theory continues to do really good character work. Uh, like I got to catch even more of that being uh, close to the action and kind of hearing his interactions with people. That was good. We have to talk about Priscilla Kelly wearing the May Young Classic t-shirt out for this match. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I was like, look, hey, you got to, um, you got to plug your shit. I get it, but it just felt so out of character for the Priscilla Kelly character. Yes. You know, you're like this person would 
would only be in the Mae Young Classic to like, I don't know, wreak havoc on who, you know, like you wouldn't, that's not a person who's like, look, I participated in the big corporate tournament, you know? So yeah, I did think it was kind of like, kind of weird. But also I'm like, well, if you want to let people know you're in the Mae Young Classic and you're like on the come up as a wrestler, like, I don't know, can't, can't hate on someone, you know. Right. Do you, do you think there's any chance we get a Priscilla Kelly Penelope Ford match and involve? I think it's possible. Like, I'm not sure if we're building toward, toward a mixed tag match mm-hmm. or, an, or a singles match. Yeah, I don't know. Either or both could happen. Or I guess they could. Or do neither. On shine, right? Yeah. I would like to see it evolve. I hope if they're going to have women in the promotion, and I'm glad they do, like, and they're both wrestlers, let's have matches. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now to the main event. Darby Allen defeats Matt Riddle with The Last Supper. I thought this was easily the match of the night. I thought it was excellent. I had it. And let me tell you why that I think it was excellent. It would have been excellent anyway because Darby Allen and Matt Riddle are both good. But no, I'm not going to put myself over. I'm going to put over Matt Riddle. I'm going to put over Matt Riddle, okay? So Darby and Riddle are having this very good pro wrestling match. Riddle at some point starts kind of being a dick. And you can notice in the match that Darby is the babyface, obviously, in any match that he's in. And so Riddle is playing a little bit of the heel, but the crowd will not go along with it because the crowd loves Matt Riddle and he's leaving, all that stuff, you know, so he's really getting celebrated. Well, Riddle starts stomping on Darby, clear, like in a heel way. And Nate and I boo him. He kind of scans our part of the crowd and then finds us, realizes that it's us booing and says something like, don't ever boo me or something like that. I get the sense that he was waiting for someone to respond to him in that way so that he could react to it and then play into it. And then he continued, you know, then Darby's in the ropes and he keeps on him after he's in the ropes. We keep booing him. He eventually curses at us <laughs> in a very hilarious way. Uh, but the crowd eventually figured it out and got on Riddle's case a little bit. And they were really getting behind Darby. And I thought it changed the complexion of the match. And I give all the credit to Matt Riddle. It made me, like, I know I've been down on him a little bit on this show. But in that moment, I was like, wow, this guy is so good. Like, the fact that he could figure out a way to get that crowd to get behind Darby is, I mean, just shows you how talented the guy is as a wrestler, uh, how far he's come. I was very impressed and I thought it made the match go from uh, really good to great. Yeah. This whipped ass. I love this. (laughs) I love this match. Darby is phenomenal too. I mean, Darby is just, he's kind of, I mean, if you look at his output, you know, and just in this promotion, the last, just this year, I mean, he was hurt for part of it. But even then, you look at it and you're like, the Zack Sabre Jr. match, this match, the Walter match. Like, he's got a nice, he's building a nice little com- 
collection of like memorably great matches. Um, and I, I thought, put, I'm sorry, I would put especially the Walter match and the Riddle match up against any other match in the promotion this year. Yeah, yeah, I think that those are yes, a hundred percent. And I think that. Yeah, this is great. And like Riddle as this dickhead who's just vicious and mean and full of himself. Like that's the Riddle I like. That's like I find that much more compelling than just the chill bro. And I thought I thought, yeah, he was excellent in his role of like throwing everything he had at Darby and just getting visibly frustrated and red and angry about, you know, Darby just kicking out and, and staying with him. Um, yeah, I thought that this was an, yeah, this was excellent. This was really, really great. Um, yeah. I really wish Riddle could have gotten a run as a main event heel. Yes. In a thousand. Like, because we saw that too, like in New Orleans. I mean, when we came back on the show after New, New Orleans, um, after that Will Ospreay match, which I think is probably like the, the non-Darby, you know, the best non-Darby match. Maybe the best match. I think that's still probably my favorite match. You're right. I, I, well, I guess we could say that was a WWE Super Show match. Yeah. Oh, touche. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that but, was the best match. But of like, season. but like that Matt Riddle is the we said that I was like, I hope we get this Matt Riddle moving forward, and we like haven't as much, you know, during the Strickland feud. It was clear that you know Strickland was the aggressor. Um, but yeah, I thought yeah, this that this is a Matt Riddle that I really enjoy watching, and and I thought that both guys played their roles great. And you're right for Matt Riddle on his sort of what is presumed to be his last evolve weekend was able to turn folks against him i think is a credit uh, to his talent as a performer and uh yeah yeah i wish we got i wish he could have held the title as like that matt riddle for a year yes and we could have watched guys chase him and we could have watched darby, darby. yeah like, try to overtake him i mean yeah. uh and i mean i don't think it would have happened no matter what but we have to say, you know, that he is leaving vaguely abruptly. So, you know, if he was around for another year, we don't really know what would have happened. Yeah. Anyway, after the match, this was also good. Riddle uh, puts over Darby as the toughest dude he's been in the ring with. And Riddle has this way of coming across as so genuine on the mic. And this felt real in a lot of ways, you know, like that he really wanted to put over Darby. And I thought he did a great job of doing it. Yeah, I agree. The other interesting thing about this is the bleachers to our left were largely filled with the progress roster watching the show. And uh, except Tony Storm, whatever that was about. But the rest of the progress roster. And a lot of times they were kind of. <laughs> Aaron's rolling his eyes at me just so everybody knows. Uh, a lot of times they were just kind of watching, talking to each other, whatever. Um when Darby took – Darby did the coffin drop onto the ring apron in this match, right? Yes, Aaron's uh, nodding. The, yeah, that happened. Yeah, he went for the coffin drop, but Riddle moved out of the way, and he just took a co – he just coffin dropped himself onto the apron. That was the first moment that the whole roster over there reacted. They all cringed and were like, oh, you know, basically like, I can't believe he took that bump. Uh, and, but you could tell that they really started – I was watching them because I thought it was interesting. They really started keying in on this match as like, oh, these, I mean, which I know they know both these guys, but it's like, oh, these guys are really good. And this is something even we feel like we really should pay attention to and watch what's happening. So that was fascinating to me. 
Yeah, it's cool to watch wrestlers watch wrestling, and you feel like yeah. you're like part of the community, like yes. the unified scene, you know. Um, Walter like started out up top, and in the middle of this match, he like ran down to like the second row of the bleachers to get a better view of the match, which I thought was great. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was Evolve One Ten. So we'll move on to Evolve One Eleven on Sunday uh, from the great crowd in Livonia, Michigan. Uh, at the top, Lenny announced that DJ Lenny Leonard announced that DJZ's match against Shane Strickland would be for the Evolve title after DJZ beat AR Fox. Uh, in the first match, which we've already talked about a little bit, Saeev Al-Sabah defeated Jaka with uh, his blockbuster-like move. Um, anything else you want to add to this match? Well, yeah. I mean, I thought this match sucked. It was bad. But I enjoyed it because the crowd was so hot from the jump. Like, yeah. it was like, oh, there's like, there were several like kind of clear miscommunications and botches. And it was just like, you know, ugh, you know, but, but the crowd was just like, um, the crowd was great from the beginning and they were getting on Stokely and, you know, enjoy your last, they were yelling like, enjoy your last night. And it was just like, oh, these people care. They're aware of what's happening in this promotion. They're loud. They're hype. And like, they were going crazy for this match. Like they were so fired up for that, that hot of all action that even though I feel like this match was like not very good, like it, it felt like they were just like really wired. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I feel like I have to go to Livonia, Michigan and watch one of these shows. Yeah. I'm like, I'm worried that they're going to start giving the big matches to Livonia instead of Laboom. They should, to be honest. I'm sorry. I, well, let's not go overboard. You know, it's still <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like Livonia. People don't know so much about it. Queens, sure. the world's borough. Sure. I, I hope that uh, for Mania Weekend, they run Laboom because I feel like I really need to go to a Laboom show. Yeah. I don't think that they will, though, because they're going to have too many people for a Laboom show. That's true. Yeah. Uh, how and like. How many- like you know, I feel like Laboom can maybe hold like 400 people or like yeah. maybe 500, but definitely not the like 1,000 plus that, you know, if they work with Game Changer again and they do another Joey Janela spring break, like That's Laboom true. could not hold that. That's true. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they end up doing. Uh, after the match, Stokely says, you're dead ass wrong if you think his career is going to end in a place like Livonia, Michigan, uh, which was pretty funny. Uh, the crowd was chanting, no, 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 no. Hey, hey, goodbye. You know the tune. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. You nailed it. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, and then we got Darby Allen against Brian Idol, of all people. Darby wins at the Last Supper. I have literally nothing to say about this match. I, like, I don't know why it happened. I liked it because I was like, yeah, um, I'm more, I'm like a big fan of just like, I guess I, now we know why it happened. I guess to just introduce him and like get him a win before he sort of inserted himself into the four way later on. But I like the idea of guys just like winning squash matches or like winning easily. Like, especially a guy like Darby, who's going to be an underdog in every match. And even in this match, he like took, mo- like he was getting beat up for most of the match. But like, it's good to have someone like Darby especially when you have a baby face like that, who like is almost always sort of perceived as the smaller guy who's like fighting from underneath. It's like good to have him just like win an easy match and remind you that like, Oh yeah, Darby Allen is good. He's not winning these matches by flukes. 
And also, like, again, spread out your matches so you don't have to have, you know, another Darby. You can save a big Darby Allen singles match for, you know, next month. Although they put him in the, the four-way anyway, so it's like, who even, you know. Right. Maybe it's true. It just happen. It just kind of sucked coming off his big win in the Matt Riddle match. I was like, oh, this is all we're getting is like this match with Earl Cooter. Yeah, well, he won, so he, he did. Keeps, stays, keeps his winning ways. He did. Uh, John Davis and Josh Briggs fought to a disqualification, a uh, double disqualification, when they wouldn't come back in the ring because they were too busy fighting. Um, this was a very dumb finish. I didn't hate it. You know, I'm like so like hungry for real feuds and real angles that I was like, oh, a feud, uh, you know, separation. They're getting thrown out of the building. I thought like the brawling was good. Like I liked that they teased the spot on the DVD table. I thought that, that I was like, oh, shit, it's really getting out of hand, you know. Uh, so yeah. I I thought this was solid. And I'm like into the idea of them feuding and having like a real beat. They've just done a lot of matches, including John Davis and Josh Briggs. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, they're actually going to like maybe feud a little bit. Maybe like have a little. I don't know. We'll see. I, I will withhold judgment until I see what their singles match looks like. Yeah. If it's like super heated, then that'll be fun. Okay. Walter pinned Anthony Henry by countering a figure four into a small package. Uh, this was. Well, I've already kind of said what I thought about it, but it was interesting in that it was like Walter needing a flash pin to win. So that was fun. Yeah, I thought that this was great. I love that finish because, yeah, it's it's novel. It's like, you know, Darby beat Walter with, um, you know, the Last Supper. And then also every time Henry went for the figure four, like the starting motions of the figure four are similar to the loss to the Last Supper. So every time... Henry went for the for the figure four. I thought of Darby's win, um, and so I thought that this was really good. I thought that Walter and they've been building this for a while, right? Henry beat Thatcher, and then Walter beat him up. Walter kicked him again last night, so you felt like there was context and a real reason for them to be, you know, angry at each other. And I thought that, um, yeah, I thought that like, um. There were just some great spots in this match, like, you know, missile drop kick, like Henry hitting the missile drop kick and then Walter getting right back up and just hitting a big drop kick of his own. I thought that, um, you know, I thought that Anthony Henry like played the baby face really well. Um, And I thought that like once this match heated up, like some of the sequences towards the end were just like fast and furious and awesome. Like I loved... um, you know, Walter going for the power bomb and Henry, you know, countering it into the code red. I thought that that looked great. And like, I, I mean, like once this match, like this match got to the next gear that the Drake match did it. And I thought that the, once this got to that gear, I was like, like, I thought the last couple of minutes of this match were really, really exciting. I loved the finish of like Walter being the one who needed to escape with a pinfall. And it makes, and like, it's a finish where Henry loses, but he looks like a million bucks. Um, and then, yeah, right, Henry, at the beginning of the match, Henry went for a handshake, right? And that's this thing that keeps happening, right? Henry keeps going to shake the catch point boys, not the catch point, the ring comp boys' hands, and then Walter beats him up. And so Henry has this amazing match. He comes this close to winning, and he goes to shake his hand out. And I'm like, oh, man. He had this great match. And I'm like, oh, man, 
Walter's going to be look like such an asshole if he still won't shake his hand after that. And then Walter shakes his hand and then proceeds to start choking him out in the crowd boot. And I was like, oh, what a piece of shit. I mean, I was, I, this got me. I thought that this was great. I love the sort of like the continuity of the handshakes being denied and Walter just being this prick who's, who's great at wrestling and a bully and he knows it. And he just, he just has disrespect for all these guys who are fighting so hard, you know, to get to where he seems to have gotten by his own sort of natural talent. And uh, I thought that, yeah, I thought this was great match, great angle. And like, I hope that people who watch it will boo Walter. Yes. Boo Walter. Boo the cop. I, I should put into context my watching this show, which was I drove to Chicago the day before, got there about an hour before the show started, watched the show, Hung out just a little bit after and then drove 40 minutes to the Riviera Theater in Chicago to watch the Gaslight Anthem. It was insanely hot in the theater. We were there for like, I don't know, ever because Gaslight, there were there was an opening act and then Gaslight played like 28 songs. So that was a long show. Then we immediately started driving back to Kentucky because Sarah uh, needed to be back by 10 a.m. the next morning. We stopped at about 3 a.m. and got a hotel for about four hours sleep and then got back on the road. So all that had happened at, right before, you know, I was watching this show. So I was a little like burned out. So, you know, I probably would have enjoyed it more under different circumstances, I should say. It was hard for me to pay attention. Yeah. How was the Gaslight Anthem? Oh, it was so good, man. It was like everybody in the place was a hardcore fan. Mm-hmm. It was like the Livonia crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was insane. It was, uh, you know, super high sing-alongs for every song. You know, he could do the gimmick where you like step back from the mic and you just hear the crowd singing along to a part or whatever. Yeah. That's and when you're over. That's super over. And they uh, played like, well, first of all, they, they have a song that Sarah and I both kind of love as like a, Aww. Song that speaks to us about our relationship, you know, like people which, do. Which one? Uh, it's called the uh, what is it called? I'm bad at song names of theirs. Anyway. How's it go? It's the one that's like, uh, I will wait on the uh, I will wait on the New York streets where you where you and I would. What the hell is the song? Uh, so the end part is like, only I can heal your wounds, only I can heal your wounds when you can't go on anymore, and uh. Yeah, so it's a a song that we both love. And Sarah was like, do you think they'll play that song? And I'm like, no, they never play that song. I highly doubt they'll play it. And it was like the third song they played. So it was uh, very exciting. Yeah, it's it's called uh, The Spirit of Jazz, it looks like. Spirit of Jazz, that's right. I'm so bad at their song names. I'm one of these nerds who at concerts, if it's a band I love, I like keep track of the set list. And mm-hmm. I, when I'm keeping track of their set list, half of them are just like lyrics from the songs because I can't remember the names of the songs. Yeah. yeah. So here's the lyrics, you know, sure. for the song that, you know, describes Aaron and Sarah's relationship. And we just read the end part sure. um, because that's what Aaron brought up. So it's like, sure. so I was good to you, the wife of my youth. No other soul could love you like my. So I was good to you. No, 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 the, no. The wife no other soul can love you like my rotten bones do. 
Oh, see, I'm just looking at it on Google and I'm not seeing that. Yeah, that's oh. weird. Okay, like my rot. Oh, now it's come up. No other soul could. Well, no, first they just say like my, and then it says, so I was good to you, the wife of my youth. No other soul could love you like my rotten bones do. Um, so I will wait on the edges in between. And I will wait on the edges in between. And I will wait on the edges in between these New York streets, on all these New York streets where you and I would meet. So um, it's a little peek inside Aaron and Sarah's relationship. Um, there's other stuff in here. You know, we would dance all night, but I don't know the steps. You know, lots of other lyrics. So if you want to check out, you know, Aaron and Sarah's song, so you can sing it to them maybe when you see them. <laughs> the Spirit of Jazz by uh, the Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. So uh, they played that. And so that ruled. Mm-hmm. They did not play Blue Jeans and White T-Shirts, which was a bummer. That's my fave. That's a great it. song. But they played a lot of like deep cuts, you know. Yeah, uh, so I really real, appreciated that. Real fans. Yeah, and they played the 59 sound in its entirety. So that ruled. Um, I like, I had a friend who died a few years ago, and I kept trying to get him into Gaslight. Mm-hmm. And uh, so ever since he died, I think like 59 sound makes you think about him a lot because it's like, did you hear your favorite song one last time? It's all mm-hmm. about someone dying, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so it like really. Well, it's funny. I was at this, I was at Forecastle when I saw Jason Isbell last time and mm-hmm. we met up with these friends and this friend of mine was like telling me how she cries at like every concert. And I was like, wow, that, I don't think that's ever happened to me. You know, like it just hasn't affected me in that way. And uh, anyway, 59 sound. I don't know. It was like hearing it. I knew I was hearing it for the last time live mm-hmm. uh, because there it was, this is a reunion tour, but it's almost over and they're not like, getting back together. They were just doing this tour. I was thinking about Milty and uh, it was an emotional moment. So it was like, uh-huh. I got like all the feelings throughout this show. So that was, it was awesome. They're a great band. Yeah. I just got tickets to go see the hold steady. Nice. Uh, in December or yeah. End of, end of November here nice. in New York. So it's like, I feel like I have, you know, Similar. I feel like they're similar bands. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I don't know if you'd call the Hold Steady Heartland Rock, but uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> yeah. So my point is, like, I was emotionally and physically exhausted uh, mm-hmm. while I was watching this show. So I'm, I'm probably more down on it than I should even be because of that. So yeah. So anyway. Uh, JD Drake came out afterward, uh, gave a big fat lariat to Walter, says he's pissed off. He wants Matt Riddle right now. Riddle comes out and, uh, yo, he, how about the pop for Matt Riddle when he came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's so refreshing to hear someone be over and like really, really over in an evolve, on an evolve show. You're like, oh yeah, that's what that sounds like. And, uh, that guy's gone for the record. <laughs> So Riddle wins uh, when James Drake passes out while he's in the bro mission. Uh, This certainly wasn't as good as the first Matt Riddle-James Drake match. And kind of bizarre, like, I guess, you know, who was telling us, you know, it's kind of like a Gabe thing to just pick one person to get the win uh, when somebody's leaving. I forget who said that, but I think it was in our uh, in a group chat. 
I think someone in our group chat copied and pasted it from the Wrestling Observer. Oh, excellent. Okay. I, I was like giving the I was giving the credit to like Nate and it was actually Meltzer. Yeah. Um, big day no. for Big Dave today. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apologizing to Peyton Royce for talking about how he didn't think she was attractive, as attractive after her boob job as she was before it. Really? And Is that, that a thing that happened? I'm, I mean, oh, you I, missed this whole controversy. You were in depositions. I literally went from prison to like my house. Oh, to do this you missed the whole fucking thing. Yeah, I haven't so, been on Twitter at all. Dave Meltzer was on Wrestling Observer Radio and he was talking about how the Iconics are like bad now that they're on the main roster. And he was like, they used to stand out. They used to have this interesting act and now they don't anymore. And, you know, Peyton Royce... Uh, she, you know, she used to stand out more and, you know, I, I don't think she's, you know, the stuff that she had to do for like be on the main roster, like, you know, I, I don't think she, the stuff that they did to make her more attractive, like, I don't think she's as attractive. And, um, Jeez. and then Brian was like, well, what do you mean? Or whatever. I don't know. And then towards the end of the segment, you know, Dave was like, she was lighter before a lot lighter before. Right. Um, referencing, you know, the breast augmentation surgery that she had um, before she came up to the main roster. So then some people, it got posted online and some people sort of, some people were mad about that, which is fair. And then some, some people were like misconstrued to think that he was talking about like her like being fat or out of shape. So people got mad about it. And then Peyton Royce quote tweeted it and was like, shout on Dave and was like, what do you want me to do? Starve myself? Like, this is the kind of attitudes that like gives um, young women like nightmares. Right. So that happens. And then Dave, the melts daddy gets on Twitter. (laughs) I got to read, I got to read you this tweet verbatim because um, fucking owns. It's it's just like delicious. Um, he goes, he quote tweets Peyton. So Peyton's tweet was, so what, what would you have me do, Dave? Starve myself? This is how nightmares for young women start. The females in your life must be proud. And then Dave, the melts daddy, retweets it, quote tweets it. It goes, I'd like to apologize to you. You are an exceedingly attractive woman. Oh, God, Dave. I do realize the lengths and pressures on women in the entertainment world to maintain unnatural looks at times. And I'm glad you pointed this out. And it just owns that his re- reaction to people being like, you're objectifying her or whatever. It was for him to be like, well, um, you know, um, it's like, you know, that feeling when, um, you know, you're thinking about a woman and, uh, you know, I mean, um, you know, uh, I would bang her. You know what I mean? Right. Like that was just like, that was like his response was to, like, he had to be like, just so you know, I do think you're hot, um, but I am sorry. Um, let me be clear. Right, I know I fucked it up. I was like, oh, it's like impossible for me to do a Melter voice without doing like an Obama voice because I think they have kind of like the similar, like, uh, just sort of like wishy washy intonation. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fucked up. I only can do effective impressions of other Jewish men. Like, um, I don't know, we'll get it on the podcast one day, but like my Ira Glass is really, really good. Excellent. Um, but like, 
yeah, if it's if it's a Gentile, just forget about it. It's right. terrible. So I apologize <laughs> for my bad impression of Dave Meltzer <laughs> saying that he would, he, he still would with Peyton Royce. Um, you know, whatever. We should have had uh, Erica on the show just to talk about the Peyton Royce controversy. Mm. Peyton Royce expert. <laughs> yeah. At yeah. Babyface Pop. That would have been great content. We really, we screwed up there. Yeah. I didn't know about it though. So really this is your fault. Yeah. I just, um, you know, yeah, it was pretty, um, yeah. So that was the good shit. Um, anyway, as, as we were saying, uh, do you have thoughts on Matt Riddle and James Drake? Well, you were saying that, you know, they don't like to beat a guy too many times on the way out All right. of the Paul Heyman school of booking. Yeah. So, I was just kind of surprised. Like, I'm glad that Darby got the win, but it seemed weird because it was a rematch for James Drake. It felt like it was time for him to get the win. Uh, If they were going to do it this way, I wish they would have booked. I mean, I'm glad I got to see it, but I wish they would have booked Darby on the last match. But I guess they wanted to send him out with a win. I don't know. Yeah. And I thought that like this sort of missed the drama of the last match because it just felt like, like I felt like, or it felt like the last James Drake match, like he was like the underdog and you were really pulling for him. And this just felt like kind of, a 50 50 match. And I thought that it was again, like a good match, fun match. Um, But I didn't think it was as good as like the Walter Anthony Henry match that preceded it. All right. Shane Strickland defeated DJ Z uh, by submission to retain the evolved championship. Um, I don't know. This didn't do a ton for me. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, I liked, you know, it felt like kind of heated and they, you know, brawled around the ring, had some like fun moves. Um, I'm yeah, just I looking just over don't my. Buy, I, I don't thought buy this DJ. was like. I thought that this was a. I thought they had a. There was a good. Speaking of production, I know we bagged on the production earlier, but there was a great shot of like. Um, Strickland doing this like the running swerve stomp off the apron where they were like kind of like shooting from below and it looked great. Um, yeah, I thought this was like a good little story of swerve getting frustrating but putting DJZ away. Like I thought that this was like if this had been the main event, I would have been disappointed in the show. But it was a good, pretty good, like fun, you know, sort of like you know you knew he was not going to lose the championship in his first defense anyway. So, like, you have, you know, it's sort of typical to have someone defend against someone who's not really a full threat. And I thought that this, like, I think thought that this match, like, did its job of being, you know, a third from the top first title defense from Shane Strickland. Uh, the work was, you know, good and smooth and professional and, you know. Yeah. I have no complaints. I, yeah, I'm not really complaining about the work. You're right. It was just more that, like, I don't really see DJ Z on the level of the Evolve champion. And and I knew he wasn't going to win. So I was like, eh, I was just kind of not as into it. That was really it. Uh, AR Fox pinned Austin Theory to win a four way that had Joey Janela and Darby Allen. Uh, the WWE title was on the line, but you had to pin Joey or get a fall on Joey. Which, that, did they say that before the show? I did I not. I was know not aware that. of that. I thought. For a second, I was like, wow, they're going to change the title to AR Fox? Well, which would have made some sense, right? Because he didn't pin Joey. They've kind of had an AR Fox-Joey thing. Mm-hmm. So they could have kept building on that. But I guess this is just going to lead to 
Um, AR Fox eventually getting a title shot against Janelle. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I just thought that this match was like, um, yeah, it was weird. Like when they announced that stipulation, because you're like, okay, the finish is obviously someone is pinning someone who's not Austin Theory or yeah, or not Joey Janela rather. Like they would never do this if someone was going to pin Janela or Janela was going to win. Uh, so I thought that was like kind of weird, and I don't love those kinds of like stipulations. I I, I like. If you have a title match, it should be a full title match, and everyone should have an equal opportunity to like win it or whatever. Right. Um, but I thought that uh, fun moment with uh, so yeah, Darby Allen inserted himself into the match, and he was like, you know, I won earlier. I'm not done. I want a shot, and Janela gave it to him. Uh, fun moment with uh, the Skulk coming out and unbuttoning uh, Timothy Barr's jacket. He made yes. he did a funny version of his dance. He did good. We gave him a hard time, but he he was good in this moment. He's got yeah, but he better he's outed this weekend. He's outed as an evolved pothead because uh, he definitely toned down the fash haircut. Yeah, I mean, pro, you know, maybe he listens, maybe he doesn't. Maybe someone told him, but in any event, I thought the haircut was better this week. I it thought was he was funny better. here. Props to Timothy Park. Looking good, uh, Tim. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I thought that this match was just a ton of fun. Just a fucking balls to the wall sprint with all kinds of like wild shit. Um, just everything. It's like what a four way should be. It should just be like bang, 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 bang. And um, <laughs> you know, that's how wrestling goes. I, you know, I'm kind of an expert. I have this podcast. <laughs> I know a lot about it. And uh, that's my advice do a lot of moves. Um, no, I thought this was really fun. You had, you know, Ayla getting involved with the tope. You had Penelope and Priscilla brawling. You had sort of, I thought a really good, um, we're starting this, the sort of like the central, like, I guess, narrative of the, the Fox theory story is coming into focus where like Fox didn't want to hit him at first. And, you know, theory was fighting him. And only when Fox was like on top was theory, like, come on, man, you trained me. And I don't know. Did you see the promo that theory that they put out that theory did today? No, I haven't seen it yet. It was really good, really good promo, and sort of the central thing that's happening here. Uh, we're getting theory versus Fox in New York on September eighth, and sort of the central thing that's happening here is there was a real like close relationship, but now theory is using that to like toy with Fox. Like he cuts his promo talking about how like you know. You know, in the match, it was only after Fox was beating him that he tried to sort of get Fox not to beat him up because he trained him. And, you know, then he attacked Fox after this match. And then he cuts the promo talking about, oh, you know, AR Fox was like a father figure to me. <laughs> you know? And so it's like that real manipulative stuff, which I I, I think it's interesting. I'm into it. And um, so, yeah, this one had good storyline developing development a lot of action a lot of shit going on and it was sort of like just kind of like a perfect four-way scramble match yeah i just think they have a lot of programs that are upper mid-card programs like right theory but at least they're pro but at least they have some programs now yeah no i appreciate that i just don't know what's going to carry this promotion i still just don't know yeah, they need to unify the titles. Yes. And then we need like a nice, long, proper Shane Strickland versus Darby Allen. 
Right. We need a heel to just dominate for yeah. a while to build to Darby beating him. Yeah. That's what we have to have. Now, I yeah. don't know that – and Strickland isn't over enough yet. You know, he still obviously has a shot uh, to really make that work. So, okay. Uh, I, Did I we say thinking, who won the match? Yeah, I said that at oh, the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Fox is your winner. Yeah, yeah. pin Theory and then Theory attacked him and Priscilla right. attacked Ayla. Yeah, I, I just realized how bizarre it is that – can you believe that the first night they had a tag match where the team with Joey Janela and Saeed Al-Sabah lost, but Janela is the one who took the fall? <laughs> They're really high on Saeed Al-Sabah. I mean, you got to pin Al-Sabah there. Yeah. I mean, maybe I guess they're setting up another Theory Janela match. Yeah. Well, I think we like Theory Janela and Fox all kind of are in this feud thing or yeah, in this story together. So, yeah. But the, but the Theory Fox stuff is what's like actually really compelling, I think. Oh, yeah. Fox Janela really isn't very compelling at all to me. Right. So it's interesting that they have all the women who are associated with those three men also kind of involved. Yeah. It's good. Does Ayla work at all? Do we know that? Uh, let's check cage match. <laughs> let's see. I just, I don't know. I'm over here trying to shoehorn women's wrestling into Evolve if possible. Uh, I've really become a uh, Joshi boy in 2018. And uh, I just want more women's wrestling is all I'm saying. Sure. That's why, you know, we're going to start the Stardom podcast, obviously. A yep. uh, lot of feedback on the Stardom podcast. I feel like two people said they thought it was funny. <laughs> Wow, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, no, pro- no offense to us. Did you see the Erica tweet that was like, uh, it would be really funny as a bit if the Aarons did a podcast about stardom, like, forever, just, like, to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I botched it, but... Yeah, it there's no funny. no Ayla Fox on a cage match. Okay. But if they did, like, uh, if they did a mixed tag, I bet she could... Oh yeah, you've Make seen the topes. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. she must. She must do some stuff. Her topes are good enough. I don't know. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm just wondering where all this is going. All the stuff between the women is going. Yeah. Okay. And uh, to close out of all of 111, Tracy Williams submits Stokely Hathaway. What a great finish this was, by the way. Uh, to end Stokely's evolved career in a handicap match where Stokely teamed with Chris Dickinson. Uh, so. Basically, we get uh, some thumbtacks out, and uh, Tracy is choking out Stokely, but then ends up back in the thumbtacks, but then like powers up and uh, goes right back to the, the choke on Stokely, and Stokely has to immediately tap out. But I thought this was really well done. I mean, it's really impressive how good Stokely is as an in-ring performer. Like he, he just he knows how to work his character, even in uh, the in ring context. And this wasn't like you know the best work match of all time, but it was compelling. It was very well done, and uh, a really good way to send Stokely out. Yeah, I thought that it did the trick, um, you know, and kind of had the nice sort of like you know his goons running in to protect him every time. You know, Tracy got the advantage, and it was you know, violent and vicious enough. Um, I mean, I think that they were like hurt a little bit by just by the fact that like, 
the whole rest of the feud was like not really booked in a sensical way. And like, I think Stokely was more over as whatever he like, cause he's a heel, but like people, like I thought it was really cute when uh, Jocka broke up either a pin or a cross face, cross face or something like that. He broke up, you know, he fought off Tracy Williams from, from ending the match. And then there was like a dueling, you know, fuck you, Jocka. Thank you, Jocka chat. So I think speaks to the fact that people like love to hate Stokely Hathaway, but they also like enjoy watching him perform. And it right. felt like, you know, Tracy Williams is not over as like a mega baby face. So it didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel like people were like dying to see Tracy get his revenge. Um, but I thought this was like, well done. I thought, you know, no, no, um, you know, thought the eye patch was cool. Yes. It was. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought this was really good. And I thought that it just like, it did what it needed to do as like, you know, it feels like this feud got a proper blow off. Like, even though the rest of the feud was like dumb and nonsensical, this was a, and you so rarely get a proper blow off and evolve that even though like the buildup didn't, you know, wasn't always like great. You were like, Oh, they gave this like a proper ending. They took our advice and made Stokely Hathaway the main event. Um, you know, he, you know, cut a really sweet promo after about, he loves the company, loves Gabe and Sal. He loves all the fans. You know, sometimes things just don't work out. Um, it was really sweet, I thought. And, you know, someone said he had weird-looking thighs. He was like, <laughs> thick thighs save lives. Ask your mother. I thought that ask your mother. Yeah. I thought it was really good. So I thought it was good to see that sort of, you know, the thing that he's always been so good at of, like, sort of people yelling at him and him, you know, thinking of something to yell back was, like, it was nice yeah. to have that in his final segment. It was, it was nice, you know, because it's like when you think about, like, the guys they lose, it's like if that was little Riddle's last match, there was no big send off, you know, if, um, yeah, they never do that, you know, Saber just kind of left, you know, sometimes you get, you know, like Gargano got a nice send, you know, sometimes guys do get good send offs, but sometimes you just don't get it's and like, and feuds don't really blow off properly all the time. So it's nice to have like, some closure on an angle and, and, uh, and yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think it's, and people have been talking a lot about how much they love Stokely and how, mm-hmm. how great he was in the promotion, but I still think people are underrating how much the promotion is going to miss him as a performer and how much he helped to add entertainment to these shows, no matter how good the rest of the show was. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, so what you think he's going to the WWE? That's the only thing that makes sense, right? I don't know. I mean, it would it could make sense. You know, obviously, we'd love to see him. You know, we want all of our listeners to succeed, right? <laughs> and so we root for all of them. And yeah, it would be great if, uh, you know, Stokely got. You know, he certainly is talented enough to to be there, right? Um, I mean, I hope he, I selfishly hope he doesn't because I'll like never see him. Never see him again, right. (laughs) But it could be that. It could be that he's going to the WWE. That wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if he was just like, you know, he and Evolve Management were just like, okay, you've done everything 
we've like done everything with this catch point thing that can be done. It's time for me to like go work other places. I guess. Yeah, that's possible. But you would, I don't know. I hope he's going, you know, for his sake, I hope it's, you know. Yeah, you could have, I mean, I understand that. I understand he's already done Ring of Honor, but, and I don't know what his relationship was like with, you know, Delirious or whatever as he left, but I don't know. That's the only other big place to go, right? And so you kind of don't expect him to do that. And I feel like we'd know if he was leaving the industry. I feel like he would have said that. Yeah. I don't think that's it. Me yeah. either. I think it's either like he's just like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm saying it's like either the two obvious things. It's like either he's going to the WWE <laughs> or he's going or to he's like gonna work other indies and not evolve. <laughs> or like maybe TNA. I don't know. Um, I, I guess he could go to I'm TNA. Right. I have no idea what he's going to do. Yeah. We don't know anything. We know nothing about what Stokely's going to do. Yeah. Uh, all I know is that I really enjoyed watching him in Evolve. Yeah. I hope he succeeds wherever he goes. I know he will succeed wherever he right. goes. And uh, I'm just going to miss him watching this promotion. Yeah. And I'm going to miss Matt Reno. We gave Matt Riddle. Yes. You know, he wasn't always the guy we wanted him to be. Right. He had good matches. He was like, you know, um, a big, big, big. He was like the star towards the end of his run. has been a big part of this promotion. It's wild to watch someone just develop like that. Like, I think... I feel like I was at his first Evolve match, like when he had kind of the Brian Danielson hair. And right. um, <laughs> still so funny to see those, like that video of him with that hair. Yeah. And, and sort of like the cocky shooter guy. Um, let's see. 2015. I'm just looking. Yeah. Matt Riddle defeats Jonathan Gresham in 445. Matt Riddle defeats Chris Dickinson in 422. I was definitely at that John Gresham match. At, at Laboom. And I may have been at the next night. Yeah, I was at the next night in Long Island. So, yeah, it was, it's, you know, to see a guy sort I'm of sorry, like. On Long Island? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. You've betrayed your. First, you betrayed Evolve, and now you've betrayed your home. I can't believe I just did that. It's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. This is more embarrassing than my really bad Dave Meltzer impression that <laughs> straight into a Baraka, straight into like an impression of the Chapo Trap House people <laughs> impersonating Barack Obama. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is my great impression. It's uh, it's Dave Meltzer doing uh, Felix Biederman doing Barack Obama. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what can you do? Anyway, uh, yeah, it's cool to sort of like watch Matt Riddle develop and like him coming to, co- to the promotion sort of coincided with sort of the time when I started really getting in, started really getting into it. So I feel like I've like really watched pretty closely like his entire Evolve run. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah, sad to see him go. Yeah, it's wild that, like, when he came to Evolve, there was this thought that he was a short-timer, that he was quickly going to go to WWE. Right. Like, they placed him there to, like, kind of try him out. And then we were like, oh, well, he's really good, so they will take him back quickly. And then it went over into, oh, this guy's never leaving the Indies. 
because WWE doesn't want him because of the pot stuff. New Japan can't take him because of that. And so he's just going to be like on the indies forever. And then like suddenly he's just gone. Yeah. And, uh, it really came out of nowhere. And you're right. We, he did, wasn't, he just wasn't what we wanted him to be all the time. Right. But I remember on our year in review show last year, I was like, Oh, a lot of Matt Riddle. I, I was like, Oh, I, I wasn't really high on Matt Riddle's year this year. And then I was like, Oh, actually, no, it turns out he had a ton of the best matches in the promotion this year. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's always sneaky good. And uh, I don't I don't know whether WWE is a good place for him. Uh, I guess we'll see how that turns out. But uh, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does great. Yeah. Yeah. Me I too. I don't think they're going to use him as like a uh, douchebag heel. Uh, but yeah, somebody should. That's all. Anyway, uh, I guess that's it. We're going to be back next month uh, in September. Looks like we have September the 7th in Joppa, Maryland, right? They're going to Joppa the first night and then September 8th at uh, Laboom in Queens. I want to tell you, folks, September shows include the returns of Jason Kincaid. Trey Miguel and former champion Harlem Bravado. Yeah, know. it's wild that Trey Miguel's coming back. Like it felt like, like remember all of that? Like I feel like that was yeah. like four months ago or three yeah. months ago, and it feels forever. Four months ago, and it just feels forever ago when it was like Trey Miguel, Zach Wentz, um, Myron Reed, Myron Reed, um. It was like all these guys are like coming in and they're like the, you know, the next wave of evolved guys. And now it was like, they all kind of went away. And Jason Kincaid is back after, after uh, Jarek 120 made him disappear from evolve. Mm-hmm. We need Jarek to come back. Yeah. We need Jarek. Natural back. baby face. We, I feel like everything evolves. Our listeners are ready for the Jarek baby face turn. They're primed for it. Oh yeah. Bring back Jarek. Mm-hmm. So it looks the rest of the card for the, or not card, but the rest of the talent for those shows is basically the same people you're used to, plus the guys we just mentioned. Uh, Shane Strickland is only going to be at the Queens show; he will not be in Joppa. So I don't know. What do you think about that, At? About well, I just uh, think it's kind of doing one show. Um, you know, one of these places is important with good crowds, <laughs> and one of these places. Um, has a bad crowd every time and doesn't deserve to see a title sure. match. Well, it's, um, it's weird, right? Like, I think it's good to keep him special as the Evolve champion. But on the other hand, I think it's harder for him to get over if he only shows up every other show. Yeah. Yeah. No, In this promotion, because they only run yeah. twice a month. Right. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. That worries me for him, but... Anyway, that's what's going on next month. So I'm sure we'll be back in advance of those shows to break them down for you. Oh, well, that's going to be right after All In weekend. We'll be uh, doing the next preview show. So I'm sure we'll have some talk about All In for you. Hopefully it'll be a success and we can talk about that. And I think that's it. You got anything else you want to add, AT? Um, no. Fun doing the show. I was just looking at Twitter. David Bixenspan was tweeting about how Alexa Bliss is half Jewish. 
Is that right? Well, you can't be half says. Jewish. I mean, look, we'll, we'll, you know, we're sort of in sort of the athletic realm. We'll yeah. take we'll take some half Jews. You know, yeah, it's, we'll it's impossible it. to be half Jewish, right? I mean, <laughs> technically, yes, but you either know, your mother was Jewish or she wasn't, right? But um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, she said she's not Jewish. Um, yeah. However, I guess her dad is maybe Jewish. I, I got to read more of these David Dixon fan tweets. That's interesting. You never know, you know, who's going to turn out to be Jewish. Sure. Um, I uh, I had a client once who mm-hmm. uh, who is Jewish, and I was talking to him. We did a case about the kosher meal plan at the prison. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him I have this other friend who his mom was Jewish, but, you know, he's not really practicing or anything. I was like, so, you know, I don't know if you really call him Jewish. And this guy said to me, Aaron, you're born Jewish and you die Jewish and everything else is commentary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Fucking deep. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Wisdom from uh, my client on death row. So, okay. I guess that's it. Uh, we'll see you all next month. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. We have a lot of fun doing this show, but it is a lot of work. And uh, we just really appreciate everybody listening and sticking around with the wrong boys, even when we uh, get things wrong and uh, say dumb stuff. You, you come back and we really appreciate that. So I just want to say that. Love you all. For Aaron, I'm Aaron. See you next time.